Welcome to the Revenue Execution Podcast Series. My name is David Johnson, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today I'm joined by Jesse Mendelson, VP of our Center of Excellence at Model N. Jesse, welcome, and tell us a little bit about your background. It's nice to be here again. I've enjoyed doing these. Um, as I was mentioned, my name is Jesse Mendelson. I've been with Model N almost 14 years, and the bulk of that time I focused on the regulatory practice, so government pricing, Medicaid, Medicare, all, all, all those exciting things. Uh, right now I run our center of excellence, meaning that all services members onshore report up to me uh, in our life sciences organization. Awesome. And that is the exact reason why you are on part three of this series. Um, because of that, that depth of experience and background you're bringing. So recently, the Department of Health and Human Services proposed a new piece of legislation that would force pharmaceutical companies to change the way they discount uh, their products. The title of the law is quite a mouthful, um, Removal of Safe Harbor Protection for Rebates Involving Prescription Pharmaceuticals and Creation of New Safe Harbor Protection for Certain Point-of-Sale Reductions in Price on Prescription Pharmaceuticals and Certain Pharmacy Benefit Manager Service Fees. Um, yeah, as I said, quite a mile fall. Only the government could get away with a title for something like that, Jesse. Oh, that's the truth, absolutely. We'll, we'll call it safe harbor uh, dis, uh, discounts or, or safe harbor rebate changes, just so I don't need to say that a uh, hundred times. Yeah, much better name. So when we, when we decided we wanted to talk, tackle this subject because it was so relevant to what was going on, um, you quickly broke it up into three, three key parts. How did we get here? What is the potential uh, ecosystem and consumer impact? And now finally, um, what can pharmaceutical companies do to prepare? And that's the, that's the topic for today's conversation is what can they do to prepare? So we're going to discuss what they can do to prepare for the impact of this legislation. So with that, um, let's jump right in. Have there been any developments over the past few weeks since the industry has had more time to think about this. You know, what's happened since we last talked a few weeks ago with this proposed legislation? So myself and some colleagues at Model N, we've been doing a little bit of a mini informal roadshow. We've had conversations with many different pharmaceutical manufacturers, large and small. We've had conversations with some of our partner companies like High Point Solutions and Cumberland and to see get their thoughts. We've discussed uh, with attorneys that, that we do work with and kind of went across the board to see what people are thinking. And once the initial shock of the potential new world has faded, yes, there has been some interesting, very good discussions that over the past few weeks about where this is headed. I, I think from my perspective, very few pharmaceutical companies are looking at this with fear from a perspective that it's going to destroy their profits or destroy their margins. It's really an operational question. So interestingly, I don't see pharmaceutical companies thinking that, oh, if this goes into being, we're never going to make money again, or this is going to uh, destroy our investors or our stock price. I haven't really heard that at all. I think their perspective is that, no, we're still going to essentially get the same price for our drug. It's just that the discount and the pricing is going to be done via different mechanisms. So that's probably good news that I don't see fear that this is the end of pharma as we know it. But that said, there is a lot of questions and concerns about how to operationalize these discounts and how to, how to establish the way data, product, and money is exchanged between all the players in the pharmaceutical ecosystem. So that's, I think, really where all the thought over the past few weeks has been focused, less so on the, uh, you know, the we, we can't handle this from a business perspective. 
Okay. Is anybody in the ecosystem sort of have a uh, more fearful <laughs> outlook on the on the legislation? Like, um, are, is there anybody downstream from the manufacturers that that is more concerned maybe from than the manufacturers are themselves? Yes, and unsurprisingly, it's the PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers, and I believe health plans themselves. Now, remember, we discussed this in a previous podcast, these are billions of dollars in rebates, especially if the safe harbor removal expands to all commercial rebates, not just Part D. We're talking billions and billions of dollars of rebates that will now get redirected or handled in a different way. And over the course of the drug pricing debate, there's been a lot of, you know, hot potato over, over wh who holds those rebates. You know, the, the, the manufacturers say that rightfully and correctly that, no, we don't collect the entire list price. So those high drug prices, that's not actually what we receive. We're paying back enormous amounts of that billions of dollars in rebates, which, which is true. That's, what, that's why Model N exists. We help pay those rebates. And PBMs are saying, oh, no, we're, we're using those rebates. You know, we don't hold these rebates. We pass these on to the health plans. You know, this is, this is, we, we pass these on. So, you know, we don't hold these rebates. And health plans are saying, oh, you know, no, we don't hold these either. These, these result in lower premiums. And, and there have been even lawsuits in the past with health plans saying, and the PBMs aren't giving us as much as they say they are. So everybody is pretending that these billions of dollars in payments really don't, either don't exist or, or everybody is saying that they don't get them. But that is clearly not the case. You know, these billions yeah. of dollars end up somewhere. And so typically what we're seeing now is PBMs are taking formally and informally a little bit of a stronger stance against these changes. And same with health plans as well, because I think they've, they've really gotten used to collecting these rebates, and this will change the way that they do business. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, so what are some of the ways that are emerging for these discounts to be handled? Um, once the safe harbor protections are changed, it's interesting. I've I've been a lot been in a lot of conversations with pharmaceutical manufacturers, and some say, you know, why don't we just lower our list price? Why don't we just say, look, you know, we're going to just on our own renegotiate PBM agreements, and of course, this is only realistic for certain pharmaceutical products and certain pharmaceutical customers. But broadly speaking, why don't we renegotiate our PBM agreements, just make them all fixed fee service fees, which are still protected by the safe harbor, uh, get rid of uh, complicated price protection, volume-based, uh, attainable rebates based on formulary or market share, and just discount the heck out of our, our upfront price and, and call it a day. Um, I think maybe that is the spirit of the law. I think that, that's where this is eventually going. Whether or not that will result in lower prices for patients is kind of TBD. Uh, but I also think that's a very drastic approach that manufacturers are considering more than taking seriously, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. I would say manufacturers are, are seeing two main ways are emerging of handling these discounts. And one is via the wholesaler method, and essentially that a chargeback goes through a wholesaler or a switch service that the wholesaler provides. Certain wholesalers like McKesson and Amerisource Bergen have already given webinars about this, uh, whereby there's a mechanism for the pharmaceutical company to reimburse either the pharmacy directly or via the wholesaler a pharmacy for the price between the, the list price and the dispense price at the part, uh, that was given at the dollar amount for Part D. Uh, that is one of the ways. Now, there's complexity there. 
And the reason is those current data streams and pipes, if you will, don't already exist. And that makes it very complicated because for the industry to congeal and unify around a specific data exchange format, that could take years. If you think about EDI on the chargeback side or NCPDP on the utilization side, these industry data formats take took years to, to really spread and be universally adopted across the industry. And there's still, you know, wholesalers that don't use EDI and small PBMs or specialty pharmacies that do not submit utilization and NCPDP. So even today, those aren't even universal. So the, the, the concept of unifying behind a, a, a new wholesaler switch or something and the data and the volume associated with that, I think is appealing to a lot of manufacturers, but at the same time, especially if the enactment date of 1-1-2020 is in play, it might be too much to ask for right now. It's just, too, it's, it's just a too big of a change uh, to, to, to do that. The, the second way I would say, I would say is uh, more manufacturers are considering how existing rails or existing pipes, inbound and outbound from their systems, can be used to accomplish this. So it's a lot easier to do something like this if you use a, a, a method of data exchange that already exists. So one interesting conversation I've had with a, with a manufacturer recently and then with another colleague is essentially still going through the PBM to do this arrangement where, all right, we as a manufacturer will negotiate with the PBM the Part D price and, and the formulary arrangement for our products for the Part D plans. We already have that mechanism to do that. The PBM will then be the bearer of the Part D price for each product plan combination. They already have a mechanism to do that. The PBM will then be responsible for communicating that price to their pharmacy networks. They already have a mechanism to do that. The pharmacy will then dispense the unit with the appropriate copay to a Part D patient who comes in and will then get reimbursed by the PBM. Again, they already have the mechanism to do that. The pharmacies today are already submitting uh, RX claim requests to the PBM to get reimbursed. The PBM then in turn would send that utilization line to the pharmaceutical company, ideally in NCPDP format, and the pharmaceutical company would validate it, make sure it was valid, and then pay essentially a chargeback on it. They would pay the delta between the list price of the drug and the Part D reimbursement paid for from the PMPM for the pharmacy. Now, this seems a bit odd because essentially we're still going through the PBMs and paying rebates for the PBMs, but it does do away with the rebates that will no longer be protected by the safe harbor. These rebates become much more transactional, line by line, almost like a chargeback as opposed to uh, volume-based rebates uh, paid for formulary status or market share, those kinds of things. Yeah, isn't that, so I know um, in general when you run incentive programs and rebate programs, uh, overpayments can always be an issue, right, that lead to revenue leakage and things like that. Following it at that more granular level, aren't you going to potentially have a, a benefit of reducing overpayments too? 
I, it's a good point you make, but I would still be careful with that. Absolutely, this, it, since you're, um, uh, you could potentially, at a line-by-line -line level, uh, be very clear about what you're paying and therefore not overpay, but I would still make sure that manufacturers still va validate every single line because even every line that you get, you should still check that this product was eligible on that plan on that date and with this formulary status. Additionally, the rebate, or the chargeback we'll call it now, that the PBM is requesting from you for that script is the actual valid amount of the delta between what they paid and what they're gonna collect. So uh, the concepts of everything like script scrubbing or script validation, I don't believe that's going away. I, I believe, to your point, that becomes even more important to make sure you're not rapidly overpaying PBMs for units that they're reimbursing pharmacies for for Part D patients. I think that that's, a, that, that's a very good point. Yeah, okay. So of the two sort of approaches that you laid out there, it certainly seems like the approach two is the fastest path to, to success in this, in this scenario. From everything I've been learning in the past month or so, I would agree. I, 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 I caution that we're only a little over a month into this, and, I, and you know, this is pharma, and who knows what could happen. There could be a, a delay. You know, when the final rule comes out, the, the government could say, we'll give you another year or two years to adapt to this. That might give pharma the time that they need to establish a completely new way of doing this. But you're right. If the, especially if the 1-1-2020 date does come into enactment, I really think this might be the direction that it goes in, with the caveat that PBMs need to be okay with this as well, and that systems need to be able to adapt, and, and that the industry as a whole will informally agree that this is the way it's going to work. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So what can manufacturers uh, start doing now to prepare for eventual enactment? So I would start analyzing first your volumes. So, for example, it's a good for you to have a good understanding of, at the script level, how many lines per year are going to be generated from managed Medicaid and Part D uh, prescriptions uh, that you're going to have to handle. Because remember, when it comes to handling these volumes, these lines were previously, you know, aggregated or, or, or processed, and your Part D rebates were paid based on summary or aggregated data, meaning that, you know, the, the volume was not as big a concern. This now has the potential that each individual prescription is going to be its own line. So when it comes to everything from systems to cadences to handling to validations, you're probably going to have to change the way that you think about Part D prescriptions. Uh, think of more of a chargeback model, individual lines resulting in rebates as opposed to, you know, quarterly bulk submissions. Um, the other thing I would say for manufacturers is you need to start considering who is going to float the money. Let's say the second model I've, I just discussed is what comes into fruition, so the, the PBM-based model. Is the PBM going to float the money? Basically, the PBM is going to reimburse the pharmacy and, and, and kind of be, be out that money until it gets its payment from you for that prescription? Or is the PBM going to expect you to pay that prescription to them before they reimburse the pharmacy? Now, pharmacies have SLAs typically of about 14 days to get their payment, and that's something manufacturers haven't had to concern themselves with because PBMs take care of that reimbursement in the older model. So if, you, if you're faced with a situation where the PBM say, oh, no, we're not floating this money, we're not doing this, you might not only have much greater volume of lines to analyze, but you might have to do it and, and, and process them much quicker for faster payment. So that, that's a, that definitely take that in mind, both the financial float aspect of it and also the volume of lines that you, you might be dealing with. I would also yep. 
urge manufacturers, uh, because again, the wholesaler model still might happen, to reach out to their wholesaler contacts. You know, every manufacturer, with very few exceptions, has a lot of business with wholesalers like McKesson, Marisource Bergen, Cardinal, and some of the smaller ones, and ask them what they're thinking about this. You know, there are some very informal webinars they've given. They do have technologies that could potentially be part of the solution for this. I think especially if the enactment date of this law is moved forward a year or two, that might be a preferable way of doing this. So really get involved with wholesalers and, and talk to them about what their thoughts are and, and, and if they have technologies that they're going to be pushing to do this. And I guess the third thing I could say is, you know, stay close to your vendors. You, uh, Model N, uh, the, the, the uh, industry conferences like CBI, MDRP, uh, NCPDP has interesting bulletins about this. Some of our partners like High Point, like QVR, are releasing on this. Really stay close to your vendors and read, read the white papers, uh, go to the conferences, and, and, and provide input to this. Since this, this, this is new for everybody, a really innovative pharmaceutical company with a creative and efficient way of solving this could really make a name for itself by being kind of the savior of the industry. Uh, that's probably what I'd recommend. Okay. So um, what is Model N doing from a software and an expertise perspective to prepare for this and to help its customers prepare for this? Of course. So, you know, Model N services uh, the, the life science industry, and pharmaceutical companies make, make the bulk of our revenue. So this is something we have to take very seriously. Obviously, we're doing the things I've already mentioned. You know, we, we we're doing a mini roadshow. We've discussed this with many of our manufacturers. A lot of the information that I have right now is because of the uh, manufacturers have shared it with me. Uh, additionally, we have a conference coming up in a couple of weeks. It, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it may be about to happen or, or, or may have just happened. Uh, in Miami, where we have three sessions dedicated to this topic, and I'm very much looking forward to that to make sure that we uh, get a, a even more up-to-the-minute insight from our partners, our customers, and attorneys. I'm looking forward to that greatly. And additionally, what we're starting to model out from a product perspective is what we would have to do to our product to accommodate any of these directions. So if the wholesaler switch way is the way it works, what do we have to do from our product? If the PBM direction works, what do we have to do from our product? Or potentially, what can we even innovate in our product to help be part of the solution, not just follow it when it comes around? So we're, we're looking at, at all three angles. Now, from a 50,000-foot perspective, the way the model and framework works, whether you're on Powered by N or Powered by Flex, is already very conducive to this change. Marlin's main thing that it does is whether we're talking about chargebacks from wholesalers or we're talking about utilization files from pharmacy benefit managers, or we're talking about Medicaid invoices from states, or claims level data from states for Medicaid. Model N's bread and butter is taking, in taking in this data, scrubbing it, analyzing it, validating it for, for effective payment, accurate, with, without overpayment, without over-discounting. That's what Model N does for a living. So that's all this basically is if you stay high level. So our, our, our platform is already very well positioned to be updated to take in script-level data from, menu, from a, a PBM to, for example, uh, pay a charge back to them in the amount for part, for part to utilization after, of course, scrubbing that data and validating it. Or if we need to integrate with a wholesaler switch with pharmacy information and plan information on it. You know, those are natural extensions of functionality we already have. 
So we're, we're in a good place, but we're just trying to analyze what we would need to do depending on the direction that this actual, you know, that this, that, that this eventually goes. Uh, the last thing I would say is we are absolutely analyzing what this means from a volume perspective. You know, if we're talking about, you know, chargeback lines that used to be in the tens of thousands turning into the tens of millions because as opposed to getting a chargeback for a crate of product, you're getting it for individual pills, for example. Well, we understand that that's quite a volume change that even with our highly tuned databases we're going to have to handle. So we're also looking at the volume aspect of it as well. Okay. Fantastic. It looks like uh, Model N is getting prepared, and you certainly spent a lot of time uh, discussing this with a lot of people in the industry, and um, really appreciate you sharing those insights on this uh, part three of the podcast. My pleasure. And I encourage everyone to reach out to me or to their Model N managing director or sales rep if they have any more questions. We're happy to talk about this at any point with any manufacturer. That's great. In addition to this podcast series that we did, listeners can go to modelin.com for more information about safe harbor changes for prescription discounts. Uh, we have a detailed blog post. We'll continue to, to publish updates as they become available and as uh, we, we monitor this potential proposed legislation and the impact it may have. And finally, I'd like to encourage listeners of the podcast to register for Rainmaker 2019, which will be at the Fountain Blue Resort in Miami Beach starting on March 18th. As Jesse said earlier, we have three dedicated sessions to this. In addition to that, Dr. Adam Fine is one of our guest speakers, and he spent a ton of time um, working and influencing these proposed legislative changes. Uh, there will also be an opportunity to interact with uh, your peers and to listen to other subject matter experts on topics that are impacting the industry. And then um, uh, Platten, who is a world famous photographer, will be our guest speaker, fantastic storyteller, uh, high, highly sought after speaker, and very engaging. So it will be a, a great event and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Revenue Execution Podcast Series hosted by Model N. <laughs>